You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. And welcome to the Rocky Top Insider Instant Reaction Podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joined to my right, the one, the only, Ryan Shumpert. As we sit here overlooking an empty Williams-Brice Stadium here in Columbia, South Carolina, as the number five Tennessee Volunteers fell to the South Carolina Gamecocks tonight, 63-38. to And really, Ryan, when you think about this game, man, it did not start out Tennessee's way. South Carolina led uh, by a score of 21-7 to after the first quarter. But things really went from bad to worse for Tennessee throughout the course of the game. This was, I know there's always a lot to take from games, and you want to take and you want to build on things, especially losses. But man, this was, uh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for right now. This this is as forgettable of a game, uh, especially, I think, for the fans that were watching their team tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a terrible effort from Tennessee and South Carolina. Really controlled, you know, the entire game. And there were stretches where Tennessee, you know, put some good drives together, found the end zone, was remaining in striking distance, but they never struck when they were in striking distance, and it never really felt like the momentum ever truly shifted. I guess Tennessee answered South Carolina's first scoring drive with a four-play touchdown drive, and I guess at that point it felt like Tennessee had the momentum. But from that point out in the game, I don't think there was ever a part where it really felt like Tennessee was in a good spot and was going to win. I mean, it never felt like Tennessee had a chance, uh, but certainly did not. And a really, really bad day for the defense, I think, is where, where things probably start in this performance. I, I think that's where you have to look. I mean, Tennessee's defense made Spencer Rattler look like a Heisman-winning quarterback, not just a guy who's in you know competition. Spencer Rattler ended the day with 438 yards and six touchdowns thrown. If you go back and you look at the 10 games that South Carolina has played before the Tennessee game, Spencer Rattler only threw for over 227 yards one time. Now, granted, it was in a 377-yard blowout against Arkansas, but that's kind of what you're looking at for him this season. It's been in that 200 to 225 range. Tennessee let him absolutely throw the ball wild around the field tonight again to the tune of 438 passing yards. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's as glaring that number is the six touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns on the season entering this game. I, I feel like that's is, I mean, there's just so many glaring defensive numbers uh, from this game. I'm, I'm just going to go list, just list some. Now, I wasn't playing on this, but I'll just list some. Be now. my guest. Uh, you have that. You have the fact that South Carolina scored. They had two drives at the end of each half where they just ran the clock out. Besides those drives, they scored on nine. They scored touchdowns on nine of their ten drives. If you want to find the last time South Carolina, or go back to in the season to see where how many games you have to go back to find South Carolina scoring nine offensive touchdowns, it's back on October 8th against uh, Kentucky. That was the same day Tennessee beat LSU to give a reference for how long ago it was that they had South Carolina scored nine touchdowns. It was the most points that a Tennessee team has ever given up in SEC play. It was the most points a top five team has ever given up uh, in the, an AP top twenty-five or AP top five team. So a lot of really terrible numbers, and uh, I mean it was pretty indicative of the night. I mean it was a terrible night for Tennessee as a whole, but certainly just an abysmal night uh, for Tennessee's defense and. 
a lot of it was way too easy for Spencer Rattler, but I do think you actually have to give Spencer Rattler a ton of credit. He made the handful of throws tonight that were really good throws and uh, were plays broke down a yeah. little bit on him where he got outside the pocket and made nice throws. Way too many easy ones. He shouldn't have been those numbers you read, 30-37, 4-38, and six touchdowns. It shouldn't have been that good of a game. Tennessee had plenty to do uh, with him having that big of a night, but certainly I think a lot of credit does go to Rattler on a night where Rightfully, we're going to be talking about everything Tennessee did wrong. Yes, I, I agree, and, and I, I do want to echo that same sentiment, right? Because there were plenty of times, as much of a team that, you know, we talked about South Carolina coming into this game. We did not feel like this was going to be uh, uh, overly challenging for Tennessee. But at the end of the day, man, there were a lot of times throughout this game where South Carolina responded and Tennessee did not. Each time Tennessee went down the field, except for the final score before halftime, which I believe came with just 12 seconds left, that was the tipped uh, touchdown pass to Brew McCoy. Within every single time that Tennessee put points on the board, South Carolina matched them in just about three to four minutes. They had a response ready every single time, and it really felt like, hey, when you're playing down and, and the other team is able to respond that well to every single thing you do. Look, that's what we've seen Tennessee do to most teams this yep. year. And, and we have seen this. It, it, you know, watching this game, it really felt like Tennessee was on the other side of some of these some of these beatdowns that they've been dishing out because ultimately it felt like a game where no matter what you did in it, you weren't going to get back simply because of how efficient and how dominant their offense was on the ball's defense. No, I think you're right, and I think another one that's important to look at there is kind of the big plays, where yes. South Carolina hit a lot of big plays offensively. Tennessee, it wasn't like the Georgia game where, you know, I think Tennessee's biggest play was like 27 yards, and then its next biggest play was 16 yards. Tennessee had a handful of chunk plays in this game, but it felt like most of the time when they scored, it was a lot more methodical. It was slower drive. South Carolina clearly didn't want Tennessee to be able to take the top off the defense, and they really didn't. Uh, there was the busted play. Princeton fans scored a 41 touchdown on the middle, and then someone, uh, the South Carolina defensive back fell asleep on Tennessee's last scoring drive when, when Joe Milton hit uh, what was a 64-yard uh, pass uh, to Squirrel White. So besides, But besides that, uh, Tennessee really had to methodically move the ball down the field as methodically as it comes for Tennessee because they're still playing fast. Yeah. But a lot of plays, a lot of 5- to 10-yard games, and uh, I think that really matches the theme of what you said. This kind of felt like a reversal of a lot of Tennessee games or a reversal of how, how this game, you know, I expected it to be played. Okay. I mean, if you told me Tennessee won 63-38, South Carolina scored a touchdown in the last three minutes of the game, you know, I, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't have been shocked by that. I would have expected Tennessee's defense hey, to play a little bit better, but that, that wouldn't have been stunning. What about this? What if I told you Hendon Hooker was going to have 42 passing attempts throughout the game? I probably would have told me Tennessee would have been in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, that's, that's how I would have felt like, too. You know, th this game... We really felt like this was going to be a game where Tennessee could could put the ball on the ground, and I don't mean a fumble, but just run the ball and be able to control a lot of the game from that. And I, I still do feel like uh, in a lot of ways that was true, but that cannot be your game plan if you're down, especially if you're down 14 points after the first quarter. At that point, you got to start throwing, and, and you, you have to abandon the run game a little bit because ultimately that's not the quickest way to score points when clearly South Carolina was doing anything that they wanted down the field. So you had to abandon the run game a little bit. That's obviously a weakness of the South Carolina defense, so you couldn't exploit that as much throughout the game. There were just a lot of things that kind of started to compile throughout the game. Again, we talked about at the beginning, it went from bad to worse. It, to me, it, there was just there's so much to that start, right, where Tennessee falls behind. And I think that we can see now very, very well after the Georgia game and after the South Carolina game that Tennessee has had a very, very tough time getting to their game plan and getting to what they want to do 
if they're having to come back during the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Tennessee ran the ball good. Period. I mean, you, they had two long runs on the first drive. Him Hooker ran for twenty nine yards, and then I believe the next play, Jabari Small ran for thirty one yards and a touchdown. You take out those two runs, Tennessee ran for less than a hundred yards and they averaged three point five carries. You're right, they did have to abandon the game plan, or they did have to throw the ball more. But I don't think it was Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee abandoned the game plan, at least not until South Carolina went up by three scores, and I guess that was early in the fourth quarter, right mm-hmm. before uh, Hinton Hooker's injury, which we'll get to in a, in a minute, but I think Tennessee didn't run the ball successfully as they, as they should have and could have, and certainly they were maybe a little bit limited in what they were able to do in the run game, but I think you got to give South Carolina credit, and a Tennessee defense, or excuse me, a Tennessee offensive line that I think really started, they played so well for most of the season, it kind of seemed like the cracks in the armor started showing in a big way in that Georgia game, but even really since then, last week against Missouri, they didn't play particularly consistent. You know, they, they found it and played well in the back last 25 minutes of that game, maybe 20 minutes of that game, but were really bad in the first half. And I didn't think they were terrible tonight, but it, certainly they weren't as dominant as they've been at times this season. And uh, Tennessee's def- receivers had a lot of one-on-ones all night without safety help. Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, uh, they didn't make a ton of plays down the field. They did some good things on the underneath. Jalen Hyatt had a couple bad drops, uh, but certainly just not not enough one-on-ones won uh, either for Tennessee's receivers. And a game they weren't playing Georgia. They weren't playing you know mm-hmm. a team that you thought they might lose one-on-ones to. South Carolina's statistically uh, defensive backfield had been very similar to to what we'd seen from a Kentucky, from a Missouri, in games where Tennessee's had won a lot of one-on-ones in the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I, I I would I would agree. I think there were a couple guys in the South Carolina defense that, you know, you, you knew had talent coming into this game, and especially in the secondary. And and you know, I even heard a couple podcasts or radio shows or, or whatever it was from uh, people who who were around the South Carolina program that hey, some of these guys are, are trying to help their draft stock tonight. Like they're trying to prove they know yeah. the opportunity that's at hand. They know that if they can hold a you know a Jalen Hyatt to uh, let's see six for sixty five, they can hold Cedric Tillman at nine for eighty one, which are are still fairly big, you know, numbers, but at the same time, not compared to what they've been doing. I, I think that you could see that some of the guys in the South Carolina defense, man, they really came out to play. And, and I think that you're right. For as much as you know, you, you criticize, I think the the self-inflicted mistakes that Tennessee made throughout the night. You, you also give credit to South Carolina for coming in with a good game plan and, and uh, executing it well. Let's talk about really one of the uh, one of the biggest talking points, and it happened late in the game, at about the fourth quarter, after just about five or six minutes tick off that clock. Uh, Hennon Hooker goes down with an injury, and it was a non-contact injury. He, it looked like he was kind of cutting after a, after a read option. Uh, something in the backfield kind of made Speed some steps. Speed option, yeah. Speed option, okay. That play we've seen, or move we've seen him do consistently this year, he faked the, the fake pitch, out, and then he stepped with his left leg to cut and gave out on him. It's exactly what happened. Uh, Hooker collapsed to the ground. The, the ball came out. South Carolina was able to recover, but obviously that was... You know that was that the the least that people were thinking about. It was obviously all about Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Trainers came out and immediately rushed out onto the field, as I'm sure people saw. Uh, Hendon Hooker was able to walk off the field with his own strength. Also able to walk into the locker room under his own strength. But when I say that, it was about as slowly and with as much limping as you possibly can under your own strength. It, it did not look good. I think a lot of the people are. are you know, fearing a, a torn ACL, maybe with the whole non-contact side of things, not to get too speculative. Uh, Josh Heupel did not have any answers for the injury after the game during his press conference. 
obviously that is a, a massive, massive hit. And you think about just what Hinton Hooker has been able to accomplish this year, uh, and, and that's big. And there's not there's not too much left on Tennessee's schedule to get through. Obviously, one more regular season game, and then we hit uh, bowl season. But certainly a, a, a very challenging moment for the Tennessee football team there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, it. the game was basically – I mean, a big game was – it would have taken – the biggest comeback, the biggest shocker for Tennessee to come back and win at that point, already down 25 points early in the fourth quarter, four scores. But that was about as painful as a dagger as they come for Hidden Hooker to fumble the ball inside Tennessee's own red zone and to get injured on what looks, you know, I'm not going to speculate. Like you said, we don't need to speculate on, on what, what the injury was. We're not doctors. We don't know. But it, it certainly didn't look good. And everything that we saw after the fact and everything – we heard post game, even though we didn't get any definitive answers or definitive updates, certainly didn't seem positive. So, a scary situation for sure. And you know, I, I guess we'll we'll talk about it more when we know for sure. But it's hard to think that if that was Hinton Hooker's last play at Tennessee, what what a tough way for for him to go out. Yeah, absolutely. And just you know, ultimately, I think you you think about that with this game, right, and with the future, even after the Georgia game. I think somebody asked Josh Heupel in that press conference, you know, hey, hey, what, what is still the message to the team? And Josh Heupel's message was, hey, we still have goals that are ahead of us. Yes, it, it might not necessarily be the SEC championship game, but we absolutely have goals, and they still do. I, I would imagine that winning a bowl game is, is certainly uh, within that category of having a, a high goal and a high expectation. But uh, you got to approach it honestly now. It, it's not the same as it was entering this game and Tennessee's playoff chances. Uh, took a took a serious hit tonight with that second loss on the season. Yeah, it took a, it took a huge one. I mean, it it didn't take a hit. It's over. Tennessee's sure. not Tennessee's not yeah, making yeah. the playoff, yeah. and I think Tennessee's Sugar Bowl chances are very very suspect at I this point. Uh, two loss Alabama team uh, who both their, their losses came on the very final play of the game. By I'm not sure what the combined points are, but you know, very close. It's it's hard to look at that resume and say it's worse uh, than Tennessee's at this point, even though t- maybe Tennessee winning the head-to-head will, will be enough to flip it. But, you know, heck, I think this is a point where you turn, and Tennessee has a lot to be concerned about next week at, at Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt is playing much, much better. Tennessee, it'll be interesting to see how they can keep it together this week. Their leader, Hendon Hooker, very possibly might not be available in that game. You have to play Joe Milton and all of – Maybe not all of Tennessee's goals are, are finished on the season, but the goals that when you recalibrate your goals midway through the year and you look at what was achievable for this team, it's what they want to achieve is not not they're not capable of doing anymore. So I think that's going to be a, a tough coaching job for Josh Heupel this week uh, to have his team ready to play against a Vanderbilt team that's going to be feeling confident and certainly is going to be excited and optimistic for their chances to win. We'll obviously talk a lot more about that later in the week. But yeah. uh, certainly, you know, looking out, that that Vanderbilt game is not going to be, I don't think, nearly as easy as a win as anyone expected a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, yeah, when they woke when they woke up this morning. So <laughs> yeah. uh, the well, dynamics of that game really changed. Heck, with. on the drive to South Carolina, if people were listening to some of the other games going around the college football world, there was a lot of talk, right, about what Tennessee could potentially be facing as they started this game. And now we sit here as uh, the clock turns to Sunday, uh, and there's a lot of a lot of substance off the table. Yeah, and if you want, if there is any salt, I'm not sure there's much I'll solace. Go ahead, find for it. Any, any, well, I'll give actually give two things to solace. Uh, the first one being everyone who Tennessee needed to lose today in the college football playoff race. Everyone won. USC won, Michigan won, Ohio State won, 
uh, and TCU won all of those being you know really tight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other bit, and this isn't really solace, but I think it'll be interesting. I think you have a little bit of an audition uh, for a potential audition for Joe Milton if Andrew Hooker doesn't go. Obviously, I think Tennessee would be very attractive uh, to any quarterback in the transfer portal. I'm not sure how aggressive Tennessee will be, but I, I think this gives another opportunity for, for Tennessee and its coaches to evaluate what they have at the quarterback room moving forward since we obviously Hendon Hooker isn't going to be back uh, next year, yeah. injury or not, you know, what, yes. whatever happened tonight. Yeah, he was, he's out of eligibility. He did. Uh, he went through a senior senior day last week. Yeah. Couple of other injuries on the uh, on the field tonight. Brandon Turnish goes down. No evaluation on, uh, or, or excuse me, no further explanation on him. An evaluation will come once the team gets back to Knoxville. Uh, Jeremy Banks did not play tonight. Uh, Josh Heupel just said he, that he was out, uh, but they do potentially expect him to be back next week. So, like Ryan said, you know we got a lot to talk about on on the Wednesday uh, episode of of this week's podcast, or whenever that is. Maybe it's Tuesday with Thanksgiving uh, coming up, but still, certainly a. Uh, a very, very tough and, and, frankly, deflating night for the Tennessee Volunteers. I, I think I tweeted out when, when Hooker went down, um, a nightmare situation in the middle of a nightmare game. And, and I think yeah. you know that, that's kind of my lasting thought as we head out of here. A, a nightmare situation with uh, Hinn and Hooker going down, want to see how the team responds after losing their leader, but also just a nightmare game for, for essentially what happened you know, for Tennessee's chances moving forward and just to take a... Uh, a, a gigantic loss like this. Yeah, no, it's it's backbreaking. It's it's as bad as it gets. I mean, I'm. I would say Georgia State still, you know, a worse loss. Obviously, the stakes weren't as high in that Georgia State game, but I would still say the embarrassment of losing to Georgia State and to lose to a team like that, how unprepared Tennessee was for that game, that that would be the worst loss. Tennessee, you know, the you go. What, what's the worst? This this loss to South Carolina is the worst loss for Tennessee since what? I still think it's that, but if you get past that. I don't know. It's going to be past my time. I think this loss is a yeah. good bit worse than Tennessee's loss in 2016 here. It cost them a chance at the SEC East um, to a bad, really bad South Carolina team. But still, I don't think the stakes were quite as big. Tennessee wasn't going to make the playoff uh, that year or anything like that. They didn't have a chance. And back before that, you know, I think you get an early 2000s to 2001 SEC championship game kind of being the other one that, that comes to mind. But, I, you know. That was a much better LSU team, yeah. even though if it wasn't overachieving LSU team, uh, it was a better LSU team than a South Carolina team that had really been average for most of the year and had been pretty terrible the last month of the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Ryan, what do you say we go ahead and uh, pack things up and, and get out of here as we overlook just an absolute flood of standstill traffic over yeah. uh, on the Columbia highways? But we also sit here and we overlook a, a, a you know an emptying. Williams Bryce Stadium, and I look down on the field, and I see a lot of trash on it. Uh, and I look over at the hedges that surrounded the field, and I see that they are completely barren. Because if you missed it, uh, South Carolina rushed the field afterwards, and and that was fully expected. You know, knowing that a, an unranked versus top five uh, home win was going to come again, just kind of shows that the, you know the the magnitude that I think the Tennessee Volunteers played with, or. or you know, at least have to this point in the season. But anyways, I'm rambling. It's it's getting late. What do you say we go ahead and wrap this thing up? Yeah, my one final thought, and I tweeted it out. Um, man, this this series has just been a history of heartbreak for teams, and and streaks ending at three. Uh, you go back to uh, 2013. Tennessee ended a three-game yes. losing streak against South Carolina, and it ended up costing South Carolina that <laughs> year as the number four team in the country. It cost them uh, the SEC East title, and they win that game a chance to, to play for the national championship. 
26 Tennessee after 2013 game that sprung sprung them to a three game winning streak in the mm-hmm. series. 2016 the loss we just mentioned the kind of the the beginning of the end for the the Butch Jones era in Knoxville as Tennessee dropped that game and uh, no longer controlled its own destiny in the SEC East. 2019 uh, Tennessee ended a three game losing streak to South Carolina. No big stakes for South Carolina in that game, though it was a, a death nail for the Will Muschamp era. Yep. In, or I guess it wasn't a death nail for Will Muschamp era in Columbia because it came back another year. It's kind of surprising. Um, South Carolina was really bad that season. Both of those teams were. And then uh, I guess that one just that didn't, didn't support the heartbreak, just the end of the three-year run. <laughs> and then Tennessee, that sprung Tennessee to three straight wins until the night where they lose and uh, ends their playoff hopes. So it's kind of crazy how the, the symmetric – Symmetry and yeah. some of the streaks and the heartbreaking losses in this rivalry. Well, we'll see what happens next year and see if another uh, uh, if another streak can be continued. But hey, that is going to officially wrap it up for us tonight here at Williams Bryce Stadium. As always, make sure you're going to following Rocky Top Insider on all the different social media platforms. You can follow us at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. As always, you can follow Ryan Shumpert on Twitter. He is at rshump00. You can follow myself. I am at rick underscore butler as well. But of course, make sure you are checking out at, or excuse me, rockytopinsider.com each and every day for your Tennessee news notes and coverage. I know there was a big loss here in Columbia tonight, but there are still more games to be played for this Tennessee Volunteers football team. We're, we're betting on two more games there. And then, hey, that leads us into basketball, where the Tennessee Volunteers also have a top 25 basketball team as well. And the ladies are going strong to almost scoring 100 points here on Saturday. So anyways, that's going to wrap it up for us. For Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. Thanks so much for listening to the RTI Instant Reaction Press Pass. We will see you back for the next one.